actually is that Meteor is, is, is school about to start soon? The school, uh, when is when school start? Does anybody know when school starts? Tomorrow, for Guilford County. For Guilford County, for gosh. I didn't know it was tomorrow. That soon? That's crazy. It just seems like summer just, summer just started, right? Golly, it's already over? It's August. I don't know. I just don't know if I'm ready for it. I mean, I, I guess I remember, you know, when I would go back to school, remember you had to go, like, you had to get all of these crazy things. You had to get, like, your pencils and your folders and your spiral notebooks. Lunchbox. Oh my gosh, you remember that? Mm. We're running around trying to get all that stuff at the end of the year. Or right at the beginning of the year, I should say. You know, I was going to think about, when I thought about, when I named this title, uh, Back to School, the first thing that came through my head, the thing that's been running through my head, I hope you forgive me by saying this, is that movie by Rodney Dangerfield. Do you remember that movie, Back to School? How many people saw that movie? Did anybody... Gosh, I was wondering, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was a very interesting movie, very elevating. Talked about higher higher stuff, I guess, with Rodney. Uh, I was going to talk about uh, Triple Lindy and things, but I'm not going to do that. You know, crazy thing is, I remember my very first day back to school. I remember that very day. I can remember it so clearly the day I went back to school. But before I talk about that day, I've got to talk about the day before that, the day that I first went to school. Right? The first day I went to school, when I was in kindergarten, I went to the little place. It was, a, I believe, a, sort of a trailer on the outside of the school. But the teacher there was a woman named Mrs. Payne. Mrs. Payne. But that does not really, uh, that doesn't really tell you who she was. She was a woman who was my neighbor uh, just down the street. You, I could literally see her from my house. We would look at her house. And she was so sweet and so nice and so kind and so gentle. And I remember that there was no place I felt safer than in Mrs. Payne's classroom. Or when Mrs. Payne would give me a hug, I felt so sane. And it was so nice. And this is the person who taught me my letters, my numbers, and she just had a way of getting all the kids excited, but making sure we didn't get too excited. And she was just great. And I remember loving kindergarten, the naps and the recess and the good times. And I remember that summer sort of not wanting it to end. I remember wanting to keep going to school. I remember asking my mom if I could go to summer school. She said, no, I couldn't. And so I remember like waiting that whole summer for first grade. I just wanted to go back because I knew these letters would turn into words and I could start reading and doing all these things. And I was so excited. The only thing they told me that warned me about first grade, they said it was a little different. There was no more naps. All right, a little harder. We started getting grades. But they said the thing you really needed to worry about was one person. A woman named um, Mrs. Baker. I mean, I, 
That's what my sister told me. She said, you know, first grade is okay, but just you do not want Mrs. Baker. Because I had seen Mrs. Baker in kindergarten. We'd have to go back and forth, you know, from our little trailer to the cafeteria. And I saw her in the hall, and I don't think I ever saw her smile. Just a constant scowl on her face. Yelling at the kids. You don't want Miss Baker. And so when I went back to first grade, I was looking forward to it. I was hoping I was going to get Miss Paris or Mrs. Johnson. But as I looked on the little sheet they gave my mom, as we're there at the open house and we're walking into the door, for the first grade class, it says P. Reigns Baker. <laughs> and I walk into her classroom, and as soon as I enter, she sort of snarled or whatever, and looked up. And she had this orange hair. I can't describe it. Is it orange and or red? It depended on how she was walking, what her color, what the color was. But it was orange or red. And and she just sort of looked up, and I and I looked, and I just this I just melted down. I was just sobbing and crying. I don't want to be here. 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 And she just saw me there sobbing. I was just sobbing right in front of everybody. My mom, the whole family, and this. Mrs. Baker came up to me and she just sort of gave me a hug as I was sobbing. And it was a gentle hug. And it was one that was going to tell me that it was going to be okay. That it was all right. You know, I can't say that Mrs. Baker was my favorite teacher. I don't even know if she would make the top 10. <laughs> Maybe not the top 20. But I did find her kind in her own way. In her own way. She was fair and stern, and at times she was hard. But in my own way, I respected her. I did. And I learned that very important lesson that you cannot judge a book by its cover. Right? You know what's funny, though, is Miss Baker, who I thought was like 700 years old, and she was old, she got pregnant. She got pregnant. I have no idea how old she was. She got pregnant. We thought it was impossible, but she did. And she left in the middle of the year. I mean, maybe it was in like November or something like that. She left, and she was replaced by a woman named Miss Owens who was the exact opposite of Mrs. Baker, where she was young and sweet and fun and laughed and got us laughing. And, you know, where Ms. Baker, she was, she was, you know, she was very fair. Miss Owens, not so fair, you know. And I was one of her favorites, one of her dear favorites. I could get away with anything. Whoa, that came out now, I, I'll just know that I, I was loved by her. And you know, the crazy thing is, I sort of realized this later, that 
not really recently, that if I had not gotten Mrs. Baker, I would not have gotten Miss Owens. And it's sort of funny how you zig and zag through life and you feel like you're zigging when you should be zagging, but you sort of end up where you need to go. You know, I think about all the teachers in my life and the professors, you know, from, you know, Mrs. Payne who taught me the letters to the guy that taught me algebra, Mr. Smith, and all those folks. I always learned something from them. Even the ones I didn't really like. You know, one time learned in college, there was the most famous professor I ever had was a guy who sort of uh, wrote the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty of uh, 1979 or something. And I talk about this one, I'm sorry, guys, this one, you need remember to learn this or something. He, I learned not to mumble from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of my spiritual teachers that I've never met, I just have read his books and heard his lectures, is a guy named Shri Sachdananda, who was an Indian Vedantic philosopher. And one of his great lessons that I heard from him once in a lecture he gave is that he said, all of the world is your university. All of this, all of this world is your university, and each and every person, everything, is your professor, is your teacher. There is only one student, and that is you. And all of the world is your university. And it was so interesting. He said this during the Vietnam War, and he thought it was so interesting. He would be going around lecturing on these campuses that the kids were burning down. You know, they're burning down the buildings to protest the war. And he said, this is what you do to your university. And it sort of reminds me in our own lives how we sometimes do that. We burn our own university, our own lives down. You know, when I was trying to think of uh, how to do this message, it's hard because I was looking for a scripture that had school in it, the word school. And it's hard to find. There are not many in there. And that's the reason why I gave you the scriptures for you to read. There's no school in, in either of them. In fact, when you look at the scriptures, there's only one time school is ever mentioned. Once. You think in a 3,000-page book with thousands of authors, they would mention school. Only one time, one time, the word school is mentioned, and it's in Acts. Acts chapter 19, and it's verse 9. And to explain a little bit about it, I'm going to talk first about Paul. You know, the guy Saul becomes Paul. He's the guy who mentions it, or is part of it. Now, when Paul, we know who he is, right? When Paul would go around to a city, the first thing he would do, he was sort of a wandering guy, Saul from Tarsus, but Paul from everywhere, right? When Paul would first get into a city, the first thing he'd do is get a job. Now, Paul was a tanner. Tanner. I mean, I'll say tanner. They call him tent maker, but he probably, his real profession was tanner. He worked with leather goods. He could do things like that. And so if we were going to call him, we'd call him Paul Tanner. If he was named that. Just like Jesus was not a carpenter, as we would think of that term, but more of a woodworker. 
somebody who could make you a table or a chair or fix your yoke. A little bit different. So the first thing Paul would do is he would get himself a job working somewhere, and he's working during the day. And then in the afternoon, he would. the second thing he would do is he would go to the synagogue. The local synagogue. Now, a synagogue was a, it's, it's called a synagogue. It means assembly or meeting place. And at the time of Paul and even Jesus, it was more or less a Jewish cultural center where if you were Jewish in the world and you weren't necessarily in Jerusalem, if you wanted to sort of feel even more Jewish, you would go to the synagogue. And there were lots of things going on there. There were you know, you could learn some stuff. There were services that happened there. They had events and such. And so he would go to the synagogue and he would talk to the folks there. And eventually he would sort of slip in, I like Jesus. And then they immediately would take him out. No, not really. Not really. See, at this time, the vast majority of Christians were Jewish. They were going to synagogue. They were doing these things, and Acts is not so clear on that. But what Paul was probably doing, his great crime, so to speak, is that he was hanging out with Gentiles. He's eating with them, shaking their hands. Worshipping, maybe you know, hanging out. He's, he's bringing them to synagogue. And none of these things were just too much, but they're all together. It's just too much. And so Paul, wherever he was, he would go to these synagogues. He'd hang out there for a few weeks. And in Ephesus, it was for three months. And then they would ask him to leave and take all the folks he brought with him. Now, normally, he would go to a house, a wealthy Jewish Christian um, person's house, who would have a big enough house he could continue to teach people. But in Ephesus, he was able to rent or somehow was given a room. And that room was in the school of Tyrannus. Anybody ever heard of the school of Tyrannosaurus Rex? <laughs> Now, the school of Tyrannus. And, and who was Tyrannus? We don't know. We don't know if he was a teacher, if they just named the school after him, whether he's the one who gave the money for the school. It was just his school. We don't know. But there he was. And in one of the earliest documents that we have of Acts, where we get this, it's written in the margins. It's so amazing. One of the earliest ones is written in margin. Paul could teach from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. when the students were gone, when they had gone home or for siesta or for lunch. And that's where you'd be able to find them, right there. And it, it makes you wonder a little bit, uh, you know, what kind of teacher Paul would be. I mean, what would it be like to be a student of Paul's? I mean, would he be fair? Would he be, I mean, what... I mean, would he, would he be full of grace? I would hope. Would he be easy? You know, Jesus, from whom we, from what we know, uh, Yeshua, he never went to school. Sort of like, I don't know, Abraham would never spend a day in school. I think actually, he maybe spent a couple of days. But Jesus never did. He never rode the big cheese, if you know what that is. Never had a locker. 
Now, there is some idea that Jesus could almost very likely read and possibly write. But when, Ye when Yeshua or Jesus went to learn, he would have gone to the synagogue. And even though, like we talked about earlier, the synagogue was not a real proper school. Even though if you were to follow Hasidic Judaism, the name for synagogue is shul, which is Yiddish for school. But in general, it wasn't. It was a place that... You just went for a lot of different things, but you could find somebody there who would be a rabbi, a teacher. Like, for example, Paul's rabbi or teacher was a guy named Gamaliel, the elder, who was there. And I'm sure I mispronounced that a little bit. Because, see, there, even though that was, he was in Jerusalem, but for the most part, education was not associated with synagogues as much as it is a rabbi or a teacher. And so wherever the rabbi was, there was the teacher, there was the school. And so here's what I would say. Almost every person outside of Jesus' inner circle or his family would have called him rabbi or teacher. And if you see elements of this in the scripture, you say, where do you find it? It's all over the place. At least a dozen times he's referred to as rabbi. In the scriptures. And it's rabbi this and rabbi that and all, you know. But a great example is right there in John chapter 1 where he gets his first disciples, Andrew and the disciple whom Jesus loves. And the first thing they say to him, they say, they're leaving John the Baptist. And they say, Rabbi, where are you going? And does Jesus respond, don't call me rabbi? No. He says, come and see or come and learn. You know, I wonder at times, though, what kind of teacher Jesus would have been. I mean, he talked, he was a very mysterious kind of guy in a way. I mean, if you really listen to what he has to say, it's not, it's hard to understand. He taught in parables and stories and a lot of them, golly. I mean, even he, even if it says the disciples just don't get it, they don't understand what he's trying to talk about. What's his real message here? It always says the disciples didn't understand. I mean, if you were going to give the disciples a grade, ask yourselves this question. What grade would you give? Should we grade them collectively? Or does each individual student deserve a grade? All right, let's start with Peter. A. How about Thomas? How about that Philip guy? Give him an A plus. Anybody give him an A plus? Or B minus? Maybe a C? It's a good question. What is the test? I know it's easy to look at them to grade them at their very worst. Isn't it? Isn't it easy to grade them at their worst, Jesus? I mean, look at them. I mean, how many times does that say? They don't get it, they don't get it, they don't get it. And at the very important time, the most, when Jesus needed them most, when Yeshua needed them most, they were absent. 
on the very final exam, they were playing hooky. Skipping. To keep this going, when Jesus had to take three days of PTO, because he was going through hell, thing though is they still graduated. Those guys still graduated. They still passed. I guess this is a pass now. But yeah, I, you know, I'm thinking Jesus made a grade on the curve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, think about all the teachers of my life. All those teachers of my life and what I learned from them from my letters, to trigonometry, to life. As I reflect upon them, I reflect upon my relationship and my understanding of God and with God. You know, when I think about Mrs. Payne, I think about being so safe and so content. I think about Miss Baker and I think, gosh, it's nice to have something for forgiving. Even when you make a total goo for yourself, forgiving. I think about Miss Owens and her unconditional love. Yeah, I think about all of those teachers and how I think about my own understanding of God is always growing and evolving and changing. How my own understanding is, is, is always growing closer, hopefully wiser, more loving. You know, I think about my life and, and our lives, and I, and I recognize that every single day is an opportunity for learning. Every day a moment to go back to school. 